Well, good morning. Uh, indeed, how great is our God. I know it's probably going to take some time for the video and my voice to catch up together. At least that's what's been happening for the last few weeks. But since we're live, these things will happen. And so hopefully my, my voice will catch up with, with my mouth and my actions as you guys are tuned in. And yes, we want to sing this morning, How Great Is Our God. As we turn to our passage this morning, what we are going to talk about is the government and how we are to respond as Christians to the government. And so this is certainly going to be an interesting morning, I think, for us uh, this morning. I want you to take uh, your Bibles and open them up to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, as we look at what God how God wants us to respond to the authorities, to the government that he has put in place over us. Listen to what he says. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And so as we look at this scripture, it is clear that God is asking us to respond to the authorities, to the government that he has put in place over us. And can I be honest with you this morning? As I've been reflecting and studying and and praying over this passage over this last week, it has been very convicting for my own soul. Because I must confess that my attitude toward the government hasn't been great over the last few weeks and months. I have found it frustrating. I have found the restrictions frustrating that I can't go and and stay in a, a friend's house and have a meal with them. I find it frustrating that I can't go and celebrate a loved, loved one's birthday. I find it frustrating that I can't just drive wherever I want. And so I have been in, in some ways blaming them. And so it's been very convicting, even for me, for my own soul, as I've been studying this. I've been saying, Lord, help me, help me. And sometimes as a preacher, that, that happens to us when, when you are studying a passage, you realize this passage is just as much for me as those who I'm speaking. That is always the case, but sometimes it is particularly so. And I feel that in my heart and soul this morning. And maybe you're feeling some of the same way. Frustration, um, anger, annoyance at the government and what they've done. And what we need to realize is, what is God saying to us? How would God have us respond to them and what they are doing? What makes all of this complicated, I think, is two things. There's much more than just two things that makes this complicated. But what makes all of this complicated, how we would respond to the government, are two things primarily. First, I think, 
our personality. Our personality this morning is going to impact how we view these verses. Because in our personality, there's, there's two types of people. There are rule keepers and rule breakers. The rule keepers will, will see all the guidelines and restrictions and all the laws of the land as to be kept right to the letter of the law. In fact, the rule keepers may add uh, upon themselves extra laws just to make sure that they keep the laws of the land. And so those are the rule keepers. Some are in that category this morning listening in. And then there are the rule breakers. Those who would see the guidelines as exactly that. Guidelines to be bent, guidelines to be kind of maneuvered and, and, and avoided maybe. Um, and we, have, and we have people that will be reading the scripture in that way this morning. And so we've got to realize that that makes things complicated when we have both rule breakers and, and rule keepers. Our, our personality impacts these things. But also then, not just our personality, our nationality impacts those things. Because every nation views authority and government in different ways. And we heard, we heard of this from, from Steve um, um, as he was leading us in a Bible study a few, a few weeks back. And, and he asked the question, how do you respond to authority? And, and we learned how Americans respond to authority. And, and we learned how, how Brazilians respond to authority. And we already know how Irish respond to authority. And so it's different on the basis of your nationality. So, so what will happen to you as you are reading these verses? You, will, you can't help but read them through the lens of your personality and your nationality. And what we always want to do is be praying, Lord, this, is, this should be our prayer this morning. Lord, help those two things not skew my vision for what you are calling me to do. And that's what our prayer needs to be. A prayer of humility. Lord, help me see these things. And also, as we go into this passage, it's not just a prayer of humility, but a prayer of love. In the context of 1 Peter, what has he called us to do? One of those major commandments in the letter, in the very first chapter, was this. Love one another earnestly. Which means, again... We will acknowledge some people will see these things differently. And so what am I called to do? Love one another earnestly. And so as we look into this passage, we see the main theme, the main thread that goes throughout these, these verses. In fact, there are kind of three sections that are coming in the next few weeks, and I'm going to take bigger chunks, I think, section by section, in which God addresses our relationship to the government, our relationship to those we work for, and our relationship in our marriages. And as he, um, as God addresses these things, these very, very practical things in our lives, there is one theme, one thread that runs them. And it is actually the thread that causes controversy and, and causes angst when we look at this passage. It is the theme of submission. 
As we look at the next couple of weeks, what we're going to see is the theme of submission. And it comes out in these two words, be subject or be subject to. And so we see this theme in in three places as we'll look in the next number of weeks. We see it in verse 13 in relation to the government. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. We see it also in verse 18 when we talk about servants and masters. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. We see it again in chapter 3 verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Now, when we read these verses, there is a feeling that comes up in our hearts and in our minds. There is a feeling that we have. I wonder what that feeling is for you. I wonder how these words, be subject to, sound to you. But let me, let me change those words, be subject. Let me change those words to one word, submit. Because other translations, I think quite rightly, use the word submit. And as I read it with the word submit, ask yourself, how does this sound to you and how does this make you feel? Verse 13, be subject for the Lord, Lord or submit for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Verse 18, servants, submit to your masters with all respect. Chapter 3, verse 1, likewise, wives, submit to your own husbands. How does that make you feel? How does that sound to you? To many of us, especially in our society today, those words sound awful. And we have to think about them, don't we? Because it just sounds wrong in our society today because we see in our society there is a twofold problem that we have as human beings. The, the first thing is we, we don't like to be told what to do. And we never like to be told what to do. Ever since we have been children, we have never liked to be told what to do. When it tells us in verse 13, submit to the government. I don't like being told what to do. The second problem we have with this is, is, is not only do we not being, like being told what to do, but we don't like these words, do we? Submit. We like our own autonomy. We like our independence. And what this command does, submit, is it brings those two things that we don't like and brings them together. We don't like being told what to do, and we like our independence, and this command, submit, brings both of them together. And so when you hear it in relation to the government, some question comes up in your soul, and that question that comes up in your heart and in your soul and in your mind, that question that comes is this, why should I? Why should I? And that's a good question for us to ask. Why should we submit to every human institution? Why should we submit to the government? It's an important question for us to ask. And I think this passage answers it for us. Let me read it to you. Verse 13. 
Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of the foolish. Why should we submit to our government? Verse 15 clearly says, for this is the will of God. That's why we should submit to our government. Now I know you have loads and loads of questions that are coming, but just hold on for a second. This passage clearly says in verse 15, does it not that it is the will of God to do these things? Often people will, will say to each other, Christians will say to each other, you know, God has a plan for your life. And when we say that to one another and when we think about it, we think of this great, big, massive, grand plan that God might have for my life. God is going, to, we think God is going to do big things through me and accomplish big things through me. And so he has this big plan for my life. What happens if his plan for your life is not that big? What if his plan for your life is very, very simple? Obey the governing authorities. Sounds really boring, doesn't it? But it is his will. When you sit at home on your own and you can't meet with friends and you can't do all these things that you really, really want to do, it's boring, but it's God's plan for your life. It is his will. And this is not the only scripture that it says in, in relation to it being God's will to submit to the government or be subject to the government. We see it in other places. And I want you just to write these verses down and, and listen carefully as I read them to you. The first is from Romans chapter 13 Verse 1, it says this, let every person be subject or submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authorities resists what God has appointed. It is clear, isn't it? God has appointed the governing authorities in our land. This is God's appointment. What those verses tell us is that we have made our votes, but God has made his plan. God has made this appointment, and this is God's will for our lives. It is his great plan. We see it also in, in Titus. Titus um, chapter 3 verse 1, it says this, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and to be ready for every good work. Again, we have that word, submit to the governing authorities that God has put in place. This is the will of God for our lives. You've heard it said before, I'm sure, um, that there are... <coughs> Excuse me. There are two certainties in life and two certainties in life. The first is taxes and the second is death. 
And sometimes when it comes to taxes, it seems like taxes kind of feel like death in themselves. You know, you look at you look at your salary at the end of the year and you see all that has been taken for you in relation to taxes. And, and you remember the words of Jesus. Render to Caesar that which is Caesar's and render to God that which is God's. Part of our call as human beings is to submit to the government in this way. But it doesn't feel great, does it? You see, that is not my will to pay the taxes. And it is not just the government's will to pay the taxes. It's actually God's will to pay the taxes. And so as I was thinking about this, I started to think in my own head, what's my motivation for obeying the government. And sometimes I think as Christians, we have the wrong motivation for obeying the government. Sometimes we obey the government or submit to the government just because they tell us to do it. It's not good enough motivation. Or sometimes the motivation is just in case we get punished. That's not good enough motivation for the Christian. You know, if, and then, you know, if we, we disobey and, and we don't get punished, then we're okay. Punishment is not a good enough motivation for the Christian. What's the motivation for the Christian? This is God's will for my life. I'm not just doing this just because they tell me. I'm not just doing this for the fear of punishment. I'm doing this for the glory of God. It is his will for our lives. That's why we submit. But it is also our witness. It is not only God's will, but it is our witness to submit to the government. Our witness is impacted in this. Our testimony as Christians as to how we live lives before the government is impacted in this. And we see that as well in verse 15, I think. It says this, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. We're called to do this good, and this good is submitting and obeying the government. This is what we are called to do. And what I think he is saying is a repetition of verse 12. Verse 12 is really the, the uh, theme verse that surrounds all the verses that are to follow. It says this. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God who is, and glorify God on the day of visitation. So what are the good deeds that people are to see in us and then that might result in the glory of God on the day of visitation? The good deeds are this. Submit to the governing authorities. That is part of our witness to people, being subject to the government and submitting to what they are calling us to do. I want us to think about this because I think it does impact our witness. You know, we have we have tried in the, in the last um, number of weeks to promote Christianity, the basics. Why? Because we want to be a witness. We want to proclaim all the excellencies of Christ. And so can I just say with Christianity, the basics, I am just so thrilled 
um, with, with, with all of you in terms of people praying for this, um, people turning up for the night just to support it and be a part of it, and people inviting friends, some who came, some who didn't come. But at least we get to do this together. It's what we're called to do. They're feeble efforts, they're weak efforts in some way, but this is what we're called to do. We're called to be a witness. Now, as we try to advertise this event, Christianity the Basics, I made a video and we posted it out on the pages in Passage West, the Facebook pages in Passage West. And I'm sure um, there was a few people at least who saw it. Now, imagine this happens. Imagine after seeing the video then, and after me recording the video, that I go down to Aldi. And I go down to Aldi in Passage West, and I, I just stroll in, and I don't have any, any face covering or anything, any mask, nothing. I just, I just walk in with, with nothing over my face. And then I, I don't sanitize my hands or anything. When I go in, I just, just walk in. And then I'm starting to shop, and I start to reach over people and bump into people and whatever. And then I want you to imagine this. Imagine someone who saw that video for Christianity, the basics, then sees me in the shop just walking around the place with nothing covering my face and, not, and no respect for people and no concern for people's health or safety. How would that impact my witness? What would they say? Isn't that the guy who is telling us to come to this and now look what he is doing? It impacts our witness. How we respond to the government impacts our witness. And I think we have to remember that. This is not just our decision for ourselves, but this is God's will, and it impacts our witness to society. This is a good thing to do. And here's why I think it is a good thing to do. Because of what the government's primary role is. We see the government's purpose in verse 14. It says this. Or to governors as sent by him. So that's God's will. God has sent them as sent by him to do what? Here's their purpose. To punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Now, I know, again, there's loads of questions that come into our minds, but just stick with it for a second. The government's purpose here, this is why it's good for us to obey the government. It is the Lord's will. It is our witness. And the government have a good purpose. And it is, again, a twofold purpose to punish good and re reward and honor or to punish evil and reward and honor good. That's what the government is to do. And so when we see a court system in our nation, we say that is good. When we see judges and trials, we say that is good. When we see, um, um, you know, prison sentences and, and punishment for stealing and robbing and murdering, that is good. That's the government's role. And so if they are doing that, they are achieving their purpose. And that is good to punish evil. But also their purpose is to reward and honor good. That's actually the government's purpose. It's interesting in Ireland, as I was thinking about this, Ireland doesn't actually have any official honoring 
honorary system. So like in England, you would have honorary system of, of, of citizens. They would be given titles like sir and in front of their name. And they have MBEs and they have OBs and they have these state-backed honorary system awards. We don't have that same honorary system in Ireland. Yes, there are some awards on a, on a lower level, but on a state-backed honorary system, maybe Ireland fails at this a little bit. And it doesn't surprise you if you know Ireland in any way. We don't want to honour anybody, do we? Um, and this is reality. It actually says in our constitution that there would be no titles of nobility given to anybody. You're not going to call anybody sir. You're not going to call Bob Geldof in Ireland sir Bob Geldof. You're just going to call him Bob. And, and that's, that's, that's the way Ireland works. But, but the government's job here in this text seems clear to punish evil and to honour good. And it is good for us then to submit to governments like that who are achieving their purpose. Now we get to some of our questions, right? Because we have a lot of them. And the main question I think is this is, is what if, yes, it's God's will, yes, it's our witness, um, yes, they are to punish evil, and yes, they are to reward good, but what if the government aren't doing their job? What then? What if the evil actions of, in the society today are primarily the government's? What if the government aren't just all evil, but what if they're asking for evil practices? What do we do then? How do we think through that then? Because you do have to think through that. It's not just blind obedience, is it? You have to think through these things. And there's a couple of things I think we need to remember. I think we need to remember when it comes to evil and corrupt governments, we need to remember that God has always always achieved his purposes through the evil governments in the history of this world. I want to be careful there. I'm not saying that God approves of evil governments. I'm not saying that God is the author of that evil. What I am saying is that God takes that evil and uses it for his good plan and his purposes. Let me give you some examples, biblical examples. Egypt. They took God's people into slavery, and yet God used that whole plague system, all those plagues. You think to yourself, why so many plagues? Why didn't God just deliver his people out in the first place? Why? Because God was revealing his glory. God was revealing his power. And in those plagues, you have a polemic against all the other gods of Egypt. That God is the one true God. And in that, God used their evil to show off his glory and his saving grace to deliver his people out of their slavery. God takes the evil government and uses it for good. We see, we see the Babylonian Empire with Nebuchadnezzar and, and them taking God's people again out of the land. Look at the, the exile principle we looked at last time in 586. And takes God's people out. And yet God displays what? His goodness and his glory through people like Daniel. And later on as he delivers his people out of the land and back home. He shows off his glory and his grace. 
We see God working through these evil governmental systems. And then think about the Roman Empire. Think about them. Who are the soldiers who beat the crown of thorns into his head? Who are the soldiers who mocked him? Who are the soldiers who spat on him? Who are the soldiers who whipped him? Who are the soldiers who nailed him to the cross? Who are the soldiers who raised up that cross? Who are the soldiers who pierced him in the side? They were Roman soldiers. And what does God do with that empire? He takes the evil actions of men and he uses it for his good purposes and plans. And we see God's glory and grace on full display. And so that's what we see in corrupt governments. God still has a purpose and a plan. We need to remember that. So that's the first thing I, I think we need to remember when it comes to, when it comes to governments and, and, and what they are doing, the evil governments. We need to remember this doesn't surprise God. God's over all this. He's still sovereign over all this. We've seen it in history past and we are going to see it in history present. God is over all of this. And the second thing I think we need to remember is this with, with evil governments is that our obedience and our submitting to the government is not an unquestioning obedience. We are not just robots who are meant to submit to the government in an unquestioning way. No, we see clearly, I think in this passage, that we have an ultimate authority. In all of these passages, we have an ultimate authority that is God. And I think you see the ultimate authority of God on display in a few verses. We see it in verse 13. Be subject, listen, be subject for the Lord's sake to every institution. So that means everything we do is for the Lord's sake. I am subject to this government for the Lord's sake. And therefore, if the government is asking me to do something that doesn't line up with what the Lord is asking me to do, then I'm not going to do it because it's for the Lord's sake. We remember also not just that everything we do is for the Lord's sake, but when we do everything we do, we do it as servants of God, not of men. Verse 6 says this, live as people who are free. Verse 16, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. So we live in the government actually as free people, not under their bondage, not under their slavery. We have been bought and set free by what Christ has done for us. And we have been freed to become the servants of God. So primarily we are not ultimately serving the government. We're not just obeying because the government tells us we're not. We're, we're serving God. This is what God tells us to do. And so if they call us to do something that God is telling us not to do, we remember we are servants of God. One more example we see in this text, I think, is at the, at the end of verse 17. It says this, two separate things, fear God and honor the emperor. Two things, fear God and honor the emperor. There's a difference there. He uses different words for a reason, I believe. 
When we fear God, we, we stand in awe of God and in reverence of God and we see him as our ultimate authority. And then when it comes to the emperor, at least at that time, or the government in our time, we honor them, we respect them. We don't live in fear of them as we would with God. God ultimately is our ultimate authority. And we need to remember that our obedience isn't just an unquestioning obedience. And we see that there are times, there are times to say no to the government. And I would think at those times, it is God's will. How do I know that? Well, God's people were told to proclaim the gospel. In, in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And I will be with you to the end of the age. This is the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. And what did the apostles do? They went out and they went out to seek and save the lost. They went out to make disciples. They went out to preach. And so we see Peter's great sermon in Acts chapter 2 where he calls people to repent and believe. This same Peter who wrote this letter goes and he preaches. But as Peter is preaching in Acts, it's recorded, Peter and the apostles, they just keep preaching. You can't stop these guys. This guy who wrote this letter, he was a, on fire for the Lord to proclaim the gospel of the Lord to all peoples. Well, at that time, in Acts chapter 4 and 5, we are told that Peter and the apostles were arrested by the governing authorities. And the governing authorities came to them and the high priest came to him and said, we strictly instructed you never to speak that name. We commanded you and instructed you not to speak that name. I'm actually going to open it up here for us. It's in um, Acts chapter 5. He says, we um, explicitly instructed you not to speak of that name. And then they were coming before the council and they were giving out before them. And he says to them, they say, we strictly charged you not to teach in the name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teachings and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But listen to what Peter said. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. Peter, the one who wrote this letter, who said, submit to all the authorities, when he is told not to speak about Jesus, Peter says, we must obey God, not man. Therefore, there is a time where we say no to the government. If they tell us not to speak about Jesus, what are we going to do? We serve God, not man. He's our ultimate authority, not you. We love our God. You remember in Daniel, you know, when, when King Darius, in the, in the book of Daniel, King Darius in Babylon, he made a decree. He was, he was fooled and tricked by, um, by uh, his, the, the guys around him. And, and, and they made a decree that all praise and honor and prayer was to be devoted to King Darius. In the next verse, after the decree came forward, 
Daniel heard of the decree. Do you know what he did? He went straight up to his house, opened the doors, and he began to pray three times a day to the living God. In other words, he was saying, you want to make a decree governing authorities that I shouldn't pray? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. Because I'm called to serve God and not man. And so there is a time, isn't there, to say no to governing authorities. It's not um, unquestioning obedience. We're called to do that. So then here's where the rubber meets the road, right? We've got personalities and we've got nationalities skewing all this view. And then we've got this scripture and, and this passage which, which seems to indicate on the, on the one hand we are called to submit to government because it's God's will and it's our witness. But we also realize and recognize there are times where we say no to government. Because that is what God is calling us to do. We serve God and not man. So let me just briefly, at the end of all this, I may as well do it. <laughs> Let's open up a can of worms for a second. What about now? What we are doing right now. Is this God's will? Or is this the government's will? How should we see it? Like what we are doing right now. I'm speaking to a camera. You're sitting at home on your own or with your family or whatever it is. And here we are not having church. I would argue, and I think it is right, that this is not church. Church strictly speaking, is the gathering of God's people together. I'm glad for this service. I'm thankful for it. I think we should do it. But I think we need to remember at the same time, this is not ultimately what we're called to do. When God said, do not give up meeting together, he meant physically meeting together. We're called to gather together and to sing. We're called to gather together and to break bread. We're called to gather together and hear the word. This is what we are called to do. And so then the question becomes, well, God is commanding us to meet together and we're not doing it. We're following government instructions. So is that right? Is what we are doing right? We can't just obey by default. We need to know that what we're doing right now is right before God. And different churches come to different conclusions. Different churches on this land have come to different conclusions. I know of some of them right now who are meeting this Sunday. Different churches come to different conclusions on this. Some have decided to say, no, we, we, we obey God, not man. Ultimately, we're obeying God, not this government in instruction and guideline. So what are we doing? Is what we are doing right before God? It's what the government have instructed. And God has called us to follow the government. And yet God has called us to meet. I'm not going to answer all of our questions. And I'm not going to cover every single angle. I know that. But I think we should think about four things. Just very briefly, very quickly, four things. I'm going to mention them quickly. Number one, I think we should think about our context. I think we should think about our context in relation to this. Our context is Ireland. So some watching in right now mightn't be from that context. 
Maybe you're from a different country, different nationality. Maybe you're even watching from a different country. This is our context. And in our context, in Ireland, the church isn't the only one being restricted. We're not. The church isn't being singled out here in Ireland. The church isn't being primarily persecuted in Ireland for this. The government isn't singling us out. And I think that's right to think about. We're not being singled out. There's other people that are suffering from this as well. Restaurants are closed. Gyms are closed and have to do things online and in different ways. Shops are closed. Businesses are closed. Other churches are closed. Other religions are closed. We're not being singled out. And so we need to remember that as we think about our context. We should also think about our witness. It is clear from these passages. Now, I want you to listen to all four of these, please. It is clear from this passage that our witness is obeying government and following government does impact on our witness. I think that is clear from the passage. I hope you saw that this morning. And so I think in some ways in relation to this, we do have to think about our witness. What does it say to the local business owner who has... um, forfeited his business, sacrificed his business, lost his business because he has kept all the rules and then we just keep on meeting anyway. I think there's a witness issue here. It's not the biggest issue. I'm not saying it's the primary issue. I'm just saying it's something to think think about. Our context, our witness. I also think we need to think about our love. Our love. We're called in scripture, yes, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. But we're also called to love our neighbor. And part of why we seek to keep some of these restrictions is out of love for the health of our neighbor. And so we seek to keep that. But we also need to remember this. As a church, our primary concern isn't people's physical health and love. Our primary concern is people's spiritual health in love. And this is why I think we also need to think about the fourth thing and the final thing. And that's our protest. Not only our context, our witness, our love, but our protest. You see, it doesn't mean just because we're doing this now that we don't question what the government is asking us to do going forward. That we don't push back in some ways. You know, at level two, they were still, they were saying, okay, churches can meet or whatever. But then at level three, at one time they were saying we shouldn't, we should be online. But we need to remind the government that that church online isn't, isn't actually a thing. What we're doing now, again, is good. It's, it's right to do a service and to honor God in this way. But this isn't, this isn't the same as, as church. We're called to meet together. And some of you felt that it's not the same. And people are struggling spiritually right now. People are struggling with the depression right now because we're not able to meet together. And the churches, when we are meeting, we are wearing masks. We are socially distancing. And so I think it is good for us to push back and protest the government at certain times during this to say, hold on a minute. I think we should be meeting together. And we have signed a letter to that effect 
um, in, earlier on in relation to level three and, and the churches being allowed leave, we signed on an open letter that was written to the Taoiseach in relation to churches gathering together. And we said that they need to think about the spiritual health of people. And that the churches are complying to these things, these rules. We're not, we're not flaunting it. And so we have a right, and it is good, to protest and question these things. So I hope that's helpful for you to think through why we're doing this. We're thinking about our context. We're thinking about our witness. We're, we're thinking about our love. And we're also, at the same time, thinking about our protest. And we ask God, Lord, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom to honor you above everyone else and give us wisdom to follow the government that you have put in place because it's part of your will and our witness and yet we want to serve you Lord and not man. Let me say a brief prayer and we're going to sing together. Lord I pray that you would give us wisdom. Help us Lord to love one another in this Help us, Lord, knowing that we have different personalities, different nationalities, different ways of viewing these things. Help there be peace in the body and unity together. Thank you for this word and your providence in bringing us to this place at this time perfectly to talk about this. Help us and convict us. Help us to live in love and in witness and in context and in protest at times, Lord, I pray that we would honour you in all of this. In your name, amen. Thought we'd be, respond by singing, O great God, together. Sing to him, our great God. Let's sing.